Welcome to episode two of the radio program, entitled The Second Episode. Our unifying theme for this episode, the second episode, is the absence of a unifying theme. Here then, in episode two, the second episode, we present for your listening enjoyment the program that comes after the first one. Hello, I'm a different announcer. Do you suffer from the anguish and embarrassment of a stunningly large bank account? The day-to-day burden of carrying enormous amounts of cash? The ability to buy absolutely anything? To go anywhere at any time and have lackeys and hangers-on lick your boots, bow and scrape, beg for just a few crumbs of your attention and your spare shekels? If so, then you're just like me, casually lording it over the less fortunate the unwashed labouring slobs who live in neighbourhoods you'll never see, the lowlifes who live paycheck to paycheck and can't even afford to send their children to exclusive schools. None of these people will ever know the struggle of maintaining an extravagant lifestyle, the agony of never finding exactly the right housekeeping staff, of butlers who can't match shoes with belts, and a head chef who puts paprika on chicken Kiev. <sighs> these are the struggles known only to folks like you and me. But now there is hope. Actually, there isn't. You'll have to find comfort solely in your mountains of cash. Good night and Godspeed. You know, Paddy, this town has really changed. I can remember the day when we didn't even lock our doors at night. Now I have to check all the doors as I walk through the village just to make sure they're all safe and secure, like... Oi, Luigi, I do the same. When I get to a door that's unlocked, like, I scoop all the valuables I can carry into me bag, just for safekeeping, like. There's thieves out there, don't you know? Aye, all around us. When I was a wee one, me ma and me da not only wouldn't lock the doors, they'd leave them wide open, even in the winter. To invite in to passers-by? Aye. Me great-uncle Vladimir didn't own a door. Didn't believe in him. Windows neither. Is he the one who was robbed and then froze to death? That's the one. Terrible tragedy. Oh, did you hear about the O'Rosetti family? They run the potato restaurant down by the McRosenstein pub. Oi, that's the one. Cleaned out. Not a stick of furniture left in the place. All the potatoes stolen. Even the clover by the walkway nicked. Good lard. Can't trust anyone these days. But it's like me da always used to say just before he grabbed his shillelagh. Delight always sparkles brightest on Tuesdays. Ah, the things me da used to say. The wisdom he gave me. I still live by it today, even though he's gone these 20 years. You know, he would stumble into the house just before breakfast, and he'd say to me in his soft, clear, gravelly voice, Shut your Guinness hole, you wee stupid brat. And then he'd give me the love tap on the back of me head. Still got the dent just here. The father and son moments like brings a tear to me eye. I remember me grandfather, tall as a fresh-shorn sheep, proud man. He'd take me fishing, he would, and when we was out on the boat, far away from the rest of the world, he'd give me a playful little shove. And after I struggled to get me head back above the water, like, he'd cackle like a monkey and say, in a gorgeous baritone, just like when they clipped a bit off the goats, go and get me some fish, you little turd. I haven't eaten since Saturday last. Ah, you never forget them tender moments like, do you? No, never. Well, I'm off to murder me family. What? It's an old Gaelic expression they use in the North Country. I've never heard that one. 
And I'm from the North Country. Round Derry Way? Aye. Well, it was a popular expression on Derryview Terrace. Do you mean in your old house? Aye, mostly round the back where Da used to sharpen the axes. I'm off to murder me family, he'd say. Then he'd laugh until he choked. So, I'm off to murder me family. Lovely. Lovely. I'll be tossing some nuns off the cliff. Beg pardon? Uh, it's an expression me ma taught me, just before she went away. Meaning? I'll be cooking up some meat pies for Sunday supper. Delightful. Let me stitch your private bits to the furnace. I'm unsure if I follow. The parish priest used to say that to us in Sunday school, like, pay bloody attention or I'll stitch your private bits to the furnace. It was a term of endearment. Heart of gold, that man. Wonder what became of him after he got out. Hmm, I see. May the filth of a thousand barn creatures descend on your dwelling. Old expression, is it? Eh, uh, no. Oh, I see. Uh, then I wish to see you hanged by your own entrails. Ah, thank you, Paddy. It's rare to find such a good friend. Excusez-moi, monsieur, Mata have your attention? Ouais. You see, you recently saw Monsieur Robespierre, my employer, a very fine guillotine. However, after several weeks of usage, my colleagues, they say it has developed a, a petite issue. <laughs> what sort of issue? They have uh, told to me, I have not seen it personally, the, uh, the quality of the blood has ever so slightly... Uh, Degraded. Degraded? Uh, you see, the blade, she cuts her very cleanly in the beginning. The heads, they pop right off as if they have wings. The spectators in the first rows take bets on who will catch them. It is like a, a, a wedding bouquet. Uh, then, according to the executioners, you know how they can be, uh, there was a bit of a mess. Uh, sometimes it took uh, two or three tries to get the uh, noggins all the way off. Also, they say. Now, they say, all it does is give the aristocracy an haircut. The aristocrats, they are still very miffed, of course. You should see the haircuts very unflattering. However, this is not the effect that my employer, Monsieur Robespierre, was uh, hoping for. He wanted something a bit more uh, fun. All right. You purchased the Shopmatic 3000, oui? Uh, oui, I have the receipt right here. Ah, you see, it is a very sophisticated instrument, the 3000. Ah, I understand. I graduated first in my class at the Sorbonne. Uh, but is it not a simple device to operate? One pulls the rope, one lets it go, and one watches the head fly away. But perhaps I am not understanding well? No, no, no. It says plainly on page 17 of the manual for operators that the victim must be at a precise angle in order for his or her coconut to be cleanly chopped. So, I suggest you to have a look at the palette to see if it has become dislodged after excessive usage. Uh, my colleagues, the executioners, do not believe that the issue lies with the palette. Uh, rather, one of them said to me, he said he tried to cut his lunch with the blade and did not even scratch his salami. Only now do I hear how that sounds. Monsieur, I assure you that our instruments are more than capable of scratching any salami, let alone taking the heads of aristocrats. Mata suggest that I show you the nature of the issue? Absolutely. Would you be so kind as to place uh, that baguette in arms way? 
Merci. Now, one pull of the rope, one let it go, and... The baguette, she is untouched. Hmm. Let me have a look. If I crawl onto the palette, let's see here. Oh, la la. She is, as the English say, off her trolley. I do not think anyone says that. The trolley, she has not been invented yet. <clears throat> Just a twist here, a tweak there. Perhaps a bit of oil from the olives on the palette. Now, pull back that rope again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oui, oui. Now, when I say so, release the rope. Pardon? Did you say release the rope? Uh, when I say so, oui. Too soon? Oh, I see. It has uh, very cleanly severed your head. How much do I owe you? Hello? Okay, it is on the house. Monsieur Robespierre, the nice gentleman who used to work in this shop, has fixed the petite issue. Merci, monsieur. Au revoir. Good evening, and welcome to How to Address Your Betters, here on BBC One. The first step in addressing your betters is to recognise who your betters are. I am one of them. Improper identification can lead to embarrassment, bedwetting, night sweats, and internal hemorrhaging. Your betters will generally have the unmistakable marks of overall superiority. Keep a lookout for tuxedos, mansions, large stock portfolios, or elected office. Once identified, the next step is to grovel. The proper elements of a truly obsequious grovel can be tricky. Mastery can take several centuries. For today, we shall cover the rudimentary grovel. Begin with a snivel, the kind that will inspire contempt. You should be aware that the contempt is already there, but this will encourage your betters to bring that contempt out into the open. Every respectable snivel will be accompanied by a slight quiver in the voice and a loud clearing of the nostrils every two to three words. For example, Hello, my name is uh, unimportant. Thank you for looking at me. I will leave, leave now. At this stage, it is not uncommon for your better to kick you. Be prepared. A bit of padding around the hindquarters is always a good idea. Once on the ground, pull your arms and legs around your vital organs to protect them from further beatings. Covering yourself in filth of any description is advisable, since your betters will not want to soil their boots. Following the snivel and the roll in whatever undesirable substance is at hand, the highly effective grovel will conclude with a reassurance of your betters' superiority. This can be achieved in several ways. The simplest for a beginning groveler is to emit a bodily substance, whether in gaseous, liquid, or solid form. Be sure to point the substance away from your better in order to avoid additional bodily damage. Now, go and try this at home, or even better, at a home where you clearly do not belong. Ladies and gentlemen, step right up, get your picture taken with Jehovah. That's right, get a snapshot on your mantelpiece with the almighty creator of the universe. Isn't that blasphemy? Pay your $5, step into the tent and judge for yourself. Avert your eyes and say your prayers. Sinners will be incinerated. Wait, what? 
Holiest of holies here, pal. No sin allowed. Literally burned right out of your soul. Crackle, crackle. If you're feeling sinless, step right into the tent. Only five dollars. Five dollars to be burned alive? Uh, or to get a snapshot to share with the whole family. Press it into your Bible, show it to your friends, your enemies, to people who owe you money. Nothing says pay me like a love note from the man upstairs. I thought you said he was in the tent. You want to split hairs or you want to meet Yahweh? Well, I hope I'm a good person. I, I think I gave to a charity last year. Okay, why not? Oh, my lord. Wait, can you get my good side? Perfect. I got it! I got it! A picture with God! Yay! What a schmuck. Picture with Jehovah? Hey, Lenny, this guy thinks he really got a picture with the Lord. Can you step inside for a minute? Uh, yeah, sure. This concludes the first episode of the radio program. This is the second episode, called episode number two. Are you sure? These episodes are awfully short. You're awfully short. And this is definitely the third episode. At the end. <clears throat> All right, let me try again. Ahem. Thank you for listening to this episode of the fifth episode of the radio program, Wombat Edition. Wombat Edition.